0: Okay, we are in Megillat Esther, Perek Beyz, Pasuk Aleph, Akhar Hadvarim Ha'ele. And so, we saw in Perek Aleph, on the advice of his council of advisors, Achashverosh has his wife who refuses to appear when he commands her to appear at his party. He has her killed. And now the aftermath sets in, and it's a very interesting aftermath. Says Megillah Sester, after these matters, these things, when the king's anger <coughs> subsides, he remembers Vashti, what she did, nigzar and what he decreed upon her, Rashi says it very simply. Zaharas Rashi Yofya He remembers her beauty, and he becomes sad. He even becomes depressed. He even begins to think that maybe he was too swift in reacting, too preemptive. So vayomu nare and now his young. The youthful advisors, Misharsov, who administered to him, seeing that there's nothing he can do, he seems to be going into a depressive state. lamela Noros bisulos Bisulos Tovos Mara. Let the king conduct a search for beautiful women, virginal Tovos Mara, beautiful of appearance. Interesting. Who are the Na'arim, these young men? We saw that he has a council of eight that advised him yesterday to undertake killing Vashti. Why aren't they consulted? Says the payers, they are not consulted because he is so angry at the action that he's taken that he's hung them, he's had them killed. Then another question. We learned yesterday that one of them is really Haman. Are we saying he killed Haman? Perish says yes. Haman was decreed to be hung. Miraculously, he fell out of the gallows. And there is a Persian rule, as there is among many nations, that if somebody, let's say the firing squad, doesn't hit them or misses, or they fall off the gallows they are not to be recommitted again. So Haman survives. So he has this new group of Na'orim, and what they advise him, uh, find yourself basulos Tovos Mara, beautiful looking women. And what they do is by Yifkot HaMelech Pekidim Bechol Medinas Malchuso, he appoints a representative in each of the 127 provinces, whose job is nothing other than to round up by Yikbetsu as Kol Nara Vasula, to round up virginal girls, Tovas beautiful of look, El Shushan Habira, bring them to the capital city of Shushan, El HaNashim, to the harem, Ayad Hege, Soris Hamelech which is under the control of Hege. Saris means a eunuch of the king whose job is to just monitor the harem. Shomer Hanoshim. He's guardian of the women. Benoson Kehen, And he distributes to these women perfumes and ointments as part of this beautification process we were going to see. The Gemara makes the point that of A wise man confines his wisdom while a fool spreads his folly everywhere. And they use an example. When Melech David was told to search for a woman who would minister to him in his old age, the word goes out to women should apply and one woman will be chosen to minister to the king. This inspired Jews to figure that their daughters, it's only going to be one chosen, that they have a chance. And they all respond. Here, you're rounding up every eligible woman in the known world, bringing them there. They're going to be part of the harem, as we're going to say. You're never going to see them again. So... Parents were very naturally opposed to letting their daughters go. And the implication in the inference is that they were taken by force, by the way, as Esther was. The Hanara and the woman who wins this contest in the eyes of the king, Timloch Tachas Vashti, she will be installed as queen instead of Vashti He loves the idea of Yas Kane and he does it. Just think about it. There are no criteria here of wisdom, yichas, Good midos, uh, anything else but beauty. It is absolutely based on beauty and beauty alone. Now, up till now, we've had a fairy tale. We've yeah. just a king and queen, they fight, they get a new queen, they draw. Now, the Megillah begins, Ish Yehudi, Hoyo B'shushan habiyo. There was a Jewish man in Shushan Habira, Usmo Mordechai Ben-Yoir Ben-Shimi Ben-Kish Ish-Yemini, a Benjaminite. So we've got a couple of questions. He was Ish-Yehudi implies from the tribe of Judea, of Judah. But then it says Ish-Yemini, Benjaminite. Which one was he? Why the duplicity here, the duplication? And the Gemara spends an inordinate amount of time in Meseches Megillah, Yud Gimel, arguing the question. One point they make is that both tribes wanted to claim credit. His father was a Benjaminite. His mother was a from Judea. And so they both wanted this man to be recognized as their tribe. That's one answer the Gomorrah gives. The other is the complete polar opposite. Neither want credit for him. Some say because if he was a Benjaminite from uh, Benjamin, He's a descendant of Saul, of King Saul. It was King Saul who spared Agag, the king of Amalek, and as a result, you have Haman. If he would have killed Haman, I'm sorry, if he would have killed Agag, there would have been no Haman. The others say that if he was a Judean, then he would have been from the Malchus of David, and that doing so, um, he perpetuated some of the bad things that were done in terms of the Davidic dynasty, and so they don't want any part of him either, so it's a contest um, in either case, in the end, they say both claim credit because one is very proud that his um father was a Binyamin and his mother was Yehuda. Interestingly enough, we're going to see a very strong parallel between the story of Yosef and his brothers and Purim. And one of the things the Mephoshim points out is that you remember when Yehuda appears before Yosef to plead for Binyamin's life, to save his brother Binyamin. Now it's going to be Binyamin Coming to save Yehuda, it reverses the whole destiny, as it were. So there's very much a disagreement as to who can rightfully claim um, Mordechai. Now, more of Mordechai, Asher Higlom Yerushalayim, who was exiled from Yerushalayim im Asher higlasah that went out with Yehoniah Melech Yehuda. Asher higla nebuchadnezzar Melech Bavel. Note there are four mentions here of golas. Asher higla Mushiayim im Hagola. Asher higlasah Melech Yehuda. Asher nebuchadnezzar Melech Bavel. So we see that Mordechai was in that first group that went out with the best and the brightest, that went out with Yechania, you will recall the Nebuchadnezzar very cleverly takes the creme de la creme of Jerusalem society, of Judaism, the leaders, the Sanhedrin, the political elite, the intellectual elite, uh, the Rabbanim, the artisans, the craftsmen, he leaves behind, we don't want to say the dregs, but a very lower element on the supposition, not incorrect, that They're not going to make revolution. All he wants is quiet at this stage of his conquest. And at the same time, this elite group that goes out plants the seeds of an exile that was probably one of the greatest exiles in our history that left the the Sanhedrin, the Gedolim, the Talmud Bavali. It was an unparalleled period of exile. So he goes out with Yechania, And it says, Asher Higlessah, which means he was exiled, which also means that he did not have to go, but he chose to go with his brethren, with the Yechania group. Two, we see in Ezra, that he comes back with Ezra, Mordechai Bilshan, his name is called, because he was <coughs> such a master of languages, as we're going to see later, and being a member of the Sanhedrin, he had to be proficient in 70 languages. So Higlash, or Higlashah, which Nebuchadnezzar sent into Segolus. This is one of the four sukim in the Megillah that we are commanded to read out loud. We read it out loud, and the Shulchan Aruch tells us we read it in the Nusach, the cancellation of Eicha. Um, but one, we read it out loud because it's the beginning of the ge'ula, and Mordechai appears in all four psukim, which we're going to learn, that he is part of this ge'ula that is going to come so we're proud to read it at the same time he is sent to gallus and so we read it to the tune used in echa vai hi omain es hadasa he esther basdodo ki einlaw of the ein hahanaro yefas tor of toras mare ube mos of vi of ima lokomorehai low lovas before uh, neglected to mention that in the previous pasuk above is the first and only mention in Megillus Esther of Yerushalayim. It's the only time it appears. So by he is Hadassa, he was an omain. There are different terms of omain, but omain is most popular uh, interpreted as an omain. He was a foster parent to Hadassa, who is the same as Esther. Bas Dodo, who was the daughter of his uncle, Mordechai, Kienla of the Aim. She had no mother or father. The Medrash tells us her father died after her conception. So she never ever saw him. And the mother died, son, in childbirth. So he became the guardian, you want to say the foster parent. Ki'ainla of the Aim, the Hanara, Yafastoa, the and they described she had a beautiful physical appearance and tovas she just appeared lovely. There are only two other times in the Torah that the expression Yafas torah tovas are used. One is Rachel Imenu, is described as yefas torah Tovasmara. The second is a man, Yosef, the descendant of the son of Rachel, yefas torah tovas And here the third time, also a descendant of Rachel Imenu. And when her parents died, he took her as a daughter. Maybe he adopted her, but he took her into his house. Rabbi Meir in the Gemara says, don't read it as bas, as bias, literally as his wife. He took her as his wife. Va'yehi b'shamad ra'ha melech v'dosso ubi kabez na'oros rabos el shushan habira, and when it is heard that he is assembling all these women to shushan habira, el yad ha'gai to ha'gai the eunuch keeper of the harem, va'tilkach Esther el beis hamelech. Notice va'tilkach. The verb she is taken. In other words, it's not against. It is against her will. It is against Mordechai's will. She's taken the base Hamelach Ayat Hagai Shomer Noshim. To again, Haggai's name appears, the guardian of the harem. Were they taking were they single women or married? Women? Taking single women. They were only taking single women. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Were they, they were only taking single women to the to the harem. Yes. So if she was married well, oh, to so then how uh, Two things. Obviously, it, it, it's a parish and not everyone agrees to it. And two, they do say he took married women as well. In other words, it wasn't just single women. There's a, a measure that says he took married women that fit the description. Because earlier it says maidens implying virgins, so that would... Right. A, yeah. All yes. right. Yeah. But there, there is one that says he took married women. So... Vatitov Hanara, immediately, it must have been some... Oh, I forgot a very important one. She's called Hadassah, she's called Esther. Why two names? We know that they were given Hebrew names sometimes, and they were given uh, Persian names, which is which we, we differ on. But Hadassah is because she had the beauty of the Hadassah, the myrtle tree which is extremely beautiful and attractive, she had it. Esther, because she was secretly involved in her Jewish practice, and Esther also means of great beauty. And there is no question, her beauty is very impactful, because we see from Pastor Tess, vatitav hanara be'eno vatiso chesed lefanov chegai is immediately senses. Now remember, he sees a lot of women, Something about this woman is different. could be her modesty. could be her midos. He is drawn to her. And he does wonderful things for her. He increases her allotment of cosmetics and perfumes. The es employs her food portions. He gives her or gets her kosher food that she does not eat. Non-kosher food, and he gets it for her somehow. And sheva hanaros haruul yos laseis she gets seven, as each woman got seven maids who wait in attendance on her. by yishana es narosel la tov beis and what she does, Esther, that the other women do not do, is she uses the seven women, one for each day. They may have them all at one time or scattered like that. She has it for one day for the specific purpose of being able to count when Shabbos is. When that seventh maid appears, she knows it is Shabbos. The maid, of course, thinks that she doesn't do any work on Shabbos because, you know, she doesn't work all week. So there is a maid who specifically alerts her to its Shabbos and she proceeds to observe it. Esther She does not reveal the nation she comes from, her birth. Mordechai Because Mordechai has told her, Do not reveal your birth, your origins, your religion. Either it's because if she's Jewish, she may be persecuted, or excluded, which would not be in the divine plan, or just treated differently, the other women would turn on her. So she does not indicate origin. And each day Mordechai plants himself opposite the courtyard where the women are kept Shalom Esther What is going to happen with Esther? How is she doing? And so we ought to point out as well that Mordechai, when it says in Shushan Habira, that Mordechai was not, we all sometimes think of Mordechai as some guy sitting outside the palace gates with nothing to do. Mordechai was a very respected Jewish advisor to Ahasuerus, and Mordechai sat at the gates to judge. That's where the Bezdin was held. So Mordechai was a very prominent, active Jewish advisor. It says Shushan Habira, that he didn't hide a thing in terms of his Judaism. Even in Shushan Habira, what he was, he practiced what he practiced, he showed himself as. So now... We leave it as Mordecai outside every day, Esther in there getting special treatment and special favor, and we continue with the process of how Ahasuerus picks his next queen, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow. Don't want to miss it. Be there. Ad Khan.